This is a message from the Art Intelligence Agency. Welcome to AI Agents, a program that explores the intersections of innovation and artificial intelligence. This podcast is brought to you by a collaboration between the Australian Institute for Machine Learning and the C.F. Fowler Institute at the University of Adelaide. Join our host, Tim Whiffen, in conversation with creatives, academics, and professionals in exploring how human and artificial intelligence can collaborate in divergent ideas for our future. Sam Leach joins us to discuss his artistic work in his latest collection titled Fully Automatic, which is featured at Sullivan and Strumpf in Sydney earlier this year. Sam Leach is an Adelaide-born contemporary artist who has shown his work in exhibitions around Australia for over a decade. Having taken out two Archibald Prizes, prestigious Australian Art Awards in 2010, Sam is a creative powerhouse in his own right. But Sam's recent work, with the help of Dr. Matthew McCauley, has implemented machine learning to inspire and inform some wonderfully surreal paintings. With Dr. McCauley's assistance, Sam built an artificial intelligence capable of forming images with algorithms from a DC GAN, a deep, convolutional, generative adversarial network. The AI was ingested with historical works of art and architecture for Sam to automate the process of studying aesthetics through time. Paired with some of Sam's previous work, the AI produced images which Sam was then able to paint in his own style, representing a truly unique and beautiful outcome. Hi, Sam. Welcome to AI Memorings. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you. Hi, Tim. Thanks very much for inviting me on. It's an absolute pleasure. So you've obviously had some work that has to do with the the space that we're talking about today. Sam, you've instructed AI to assist you in a very surreal series of paintings. Could you give our audience a synopsis of your fully automatic exhibition, which was at Sullivan and Strumpf in Sydney this year? Yeah. So basically, it's a series of paintings that I made using machine learning to develop the composition. And I then took basically the output of the machine learning and, and converted it into a, into a handmade painting. So these, these weren't digital prints, they were paintings. But essentially what I was doing was I had a model that it was a, a generative adversarial network. And I'm sure your listeners are probably uh, all over that sort of thing. It's a, it's a DC GAN. And I've trained it on my own previous paintings as well as a couple of other things. But the idea was essentially to try and use machine learning to predict what my next painting would be, thereby saving me the cognitive labor of working out what I, what I should paint next. I would just be able to turn up in the studio, hit F5 on the computer and basically paint the output. That's what this exhibition was. It was, it was me uh, painting essentially what the computer was telling me to paint based on this, uh, yeah, this machine learning. And it came up with some pretty crazy things. I'm, I'm no art critic, but some of what I saw was, yeah, like I said, very surreal. It was just, it elicits kind of emotions and thoughts that perceive a little bit of what you imagine in your own head or the kind of, you know, um, I guess as surrealists would say, like the dots that you kind of see when you close your eyes or you see on a wall. So it's like very, very cool. Yeah, um, it's, I mean, it is, it's a, it's a good comparison with surrealism because like those artists would use something like automatic writing or, or other techniques to get around their own conscious, rational approach to creating work. This was a way for me to you know, bypass my own conscious decisions, if you like, and, and try and tap into something a little bit different, except instead of being you know, my own personal unconscious, it's kind of this, uh, if you like, a mathematical unconscious 
something like that. So it's still, it's still tapping into something that's not the rational human mind. It's a different kind of intelligence. So I guess from your experience, it must have been on your mind that your use of AI is a tool fundamentally is a tool for your creation, but it might have been on your mind, I guess, that AI could eventually produce an artwork of its own that could be virtually indistinguishable from, I guess, in what you produce or human artwork. Does that kind of make you uncomfortable? I mean, I guess, I guess that would be my ultimate aim. And like, I would be like, I would like to be the person who owns the, owns the AI or, you know, (laughs) or at least, you know, obtains the financial benefit from what it's, what it's producing. Yeah. But no, I mean, I kind of, I feel like there's always room for humans to interact with these, with these works. And the way I see it, it's another tool that can be, that can be used by artists and, or indeed anybody. And for, you know, like in the field of, of art, for example, you know, of course you had the development of photography and then, you know, digital photography and then things like Photoshop and all of these things have been used by artists to create work and augment their process, you know, when they're, when they're making mm-hmm. paintings and drawings. And to me, this is like, this is the latest type of tool that is available for that, that kind of use. So I don't, like, I don't feel particularly threatened by the use of it. If anything, I'm, I'm kind of more excited to see like how far, how far it can go, like how, how far can you, can you push this thing to, um, to create something that's, you know, truly, like truly original, like really a new thing in the world would be, would be amazing to see. Hmm. It's interesting because I've seen commentators talk about how fully automatic is quite like an ironic term because you put in such significant effort to (laughs) set up the AI as well with your work with Dr. Matthew McCauley, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, (laughs) that is, that is true. It has saved me some of the labor of deciding what to paint, but I have just substituted that now with database management and, and, <laughs> and debugging, debugging Python notebooks. So yeah, it's a new, it's a new kind of work and one that I'm, I'm not really, not really that great at, although, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of picking up speed, but on the other hand, you know, the, the la- most of the labor that I'm doing is still the actual painting part of it, which is, you know, the part of the thing I enjoy the most. Mm. So, you, you know, the idea to, automate part of this part of this process and free me up to do to do the part of the job that I actually enjoy it's you know it's successful in that in that uh, in that aspect and yeah of course of course the fully automatic part is is completely ironic and yeah you know it's <laughs> it's the opposite of that it's it's really it's really a lot more work than, than doing it the other way well it's interesting I guess you're kind of learning a, a new kind of digital brush in some sense um uh, yeah absolutely absolutely and yeah it's and that's, and that's kind of what's, what's fun about it is it's coming up with, you know, kind of proposals for works that I wouldn't come up with without using this tool. And that's, that's really the good thing about it for me. So that, I think that's the most interesting part is because you've gone to the effort of, I guess, choosing the databases or choosing the images in which to ingest into this kind of algorithm, into this AI. And I guess that in itself is quite an artistic process because you're specifically choosing the things but the fact that it synthesizes something that you might not have yourself come up with i think is probably the best case for it being that the ai is creative in some sense because it's well i mean you've just kind of admitted i suppose that it's not something that you would have come to otherwise yeah i think that i think that's right and and like the fascinating thing is you know i can i can run the model on two consecutive days using the exact same inputs and getting and get completely different set of outputs And so, of course, you know, part of that's just down to, you know, probability and statistics and the way that the, the model is running. But, 
what it feels like, you know, is that it's in moods on particular days and something's influencing it to, uh, you know, to go down one path or another. So, you know, that's, of course, that's just me putting my, my human lens on what's, what's happening. But, you know, if it feels like something, then what the hell, you know, maybe that's what it is. It seems to draw some parallels with sculpture in some sense, because as I understand it, and perhaps you can clarify this, is that it kind of gives you a, a blurry kind of suggestions of what an image is. And then you almost chip away uh, to try and clarify that, that image, give it higher resolution. Yeah, that's, that's a good way of describing it. And the other thing is that, of course, because I know in quite a bit of detail what's gone into the model, so what the, what the training data set is, I can often see what it's, what it's grasping at in a way and kind of read that, like uh, reinsert that back into, into the output in a, in a slightly more detailed way. And I, I also spend a bit of time finessing the data set. So, you know, accentuating certain aspects that I can see that the model is responding to in a particular way and taking some things out and, you know, repeating some kinds of inputs and, you know, just tweaking some of the parameters to, to get it to do what I want it to do. But yeah, it's the output from the model I was using for that show was, you know, these kind of blurry, in a way, quite pixelated images. And it was almost a matter of, you know, if you sort of blur your eyes a little bit, you can kind of see, see these suggestions and then just go with what those, what those suggestions are. So it's interesting. So did you get some of the, the light and, and shade and kind of color suggestions? I guess. Yeah. 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 And that was kind of what made it sort of easy and fun to paint from these images is that I would have this output from the model that's already like a nice looking image. So, you know, where the darks and the, and the lights are, the placement of the colors, the, the model is producing, you know, thousands of images per run and I can just kind of go through and the ones that jump out at me, uh, I kind of, you know, sort them off to one side and then go through and, you know, pick the ones that I actually want to make a painting of. So by the time I finish that selection process, it doesn't take that long, but, you know, it's a little bit of time. By the time I finish that selection process, I've got some images that already look good, you know, from a distance, if you like. And so that means when I'm making the painting, I already know, okay, well, there basically has to be a purple spot in this area. Uh, there has to be a diagonal line going through here somehow. So those, those basic building blocks are there for me and I'm kind of just, you know, connecting, connecting the little pieces, like how do I get from here to there, that kind of, you know, problem solving. But it's really helpful to have that, the destination already set for me, you know, in the painting. So is the, is the structure something that you would be able to then apply to a different style or something that you could effectively give your like algorithm essentially to another artist and they would be able to produce and something completely different. Of, of course, you might not want to do that, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically the models that I'm using, they're, you know, it's all in the, it's all in the public domain. You know, there's many, many kind of implementations of the, of the same basic thing. And there are a lot of artists using it and, and increasing numbers in all sorts of, in all sorts of different ways. Uh, a lot of people are just showing, I guess, the, the digital work, you know, sometimes manipulated or sometimes not. There's a handful of people that are turning it back into paintings, people using it to generate sculptural works. So there's a lot of different applications, a lot of different interpretations of, of what's going on. And the other fun thing is that like, it's all evolving so quickly at the moment that it's like every, every few weeks when I go back to, to kind of see what's going on, there's a new, there's a new model that someone's, someone's put up, there's a new development, and now there's you know, some really nice platforms that you can use that you can almost just, you know, drop components into the model and, and stitch them together. You basically don't need to, don't need to do any coding at all, which is fantastic for me. Well, I guess, and, and fantastic for a community, I suppose, because if, I mean, theoretically anyone could just come in and 
kind of get inspiration, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And it, I mean, in a way, it's it's in a really nice phase at the moment for that sort of thing because everything is everything is open and everything seems quite collaborative. You know, I, I expect that in a few years there'll be more proprietary models and yeah. it'll all get it'll all get uh, swallowed up by a couple of giant players and become expensive. But for now, you know, now it's a nice, not exactly level playing field, but it's a nice open community and there's a lot of sharing. It's good. So what's been illustrated, I suppose, in your work has been that you have brought a significant amount of knowledge of, of art history and oh, I suppose even just your previous work in terms of experience to to the model. So in, in some ways that has allowed you to inter- reinterpret the images because you can exactly see where the AI is gaining inspiration from. Do you believe that this could enable more amateur artists, let's say, to kind of pick up inspiration and, and draw things that have never been drawn before because you know they can just ingest such an infinite combination of previous artworks that you would need that? Do you think they would need that previous knowledge or experience to be able to expand on it? I mean, you're right in a way that it's, it, does, it does open things up. I mean... Potentially, you can say, I basically want to absorb all of the information about painting of someone like, uh, I don't know, Monet, say, you know, how, to, how, does, how does Monet construct his pictures, what, what kind of colours, and you can produce a model that will give you essentially infinite variations of that Monet-like paintings. And for, a, yeah, if you're an amateur painter, a painter or, you know, it might be fun just to do that and, and to be able to produce those paintings, and it would be, it would be an interesting and, and rewarding activity. I think a lot of what's interesting for, for artists working with AI is the way that the models are constructed, what the algorithms are doing. And, you know, there's a lot of valid criticism of, of AI at the moment in terms of the, the large data sets that are being used and the inbuilt biases that are, that are in there. So being, being able to, you know, interrogate that process, you know, think about it, um, look at the aesthetics of it, is really valuable for society as a whole to understand a little bit what's going on with this with this emerging technology and how it's and how it's operating, and you know that's that's one of the things artists are, are good at. Not necessarily explaining how AI works because artists are terrible at explaining anything, <laughs> but what artists are good at is you know expressing expressing ideas of complexity and inviting and inviting interrogation. So, you know, I think that's I think that's what we can contribute to uh, AI at this point. Because it, it, I guess that's an interesting case because it was especially for your exhibition, it, it really stands on the legs of how artistic and well thought out the data ingestion process is. I mean, that in itself seems to be an artistic process. If you perhaps don't, like you said, with the biases, I suppose, if, if you're not artistic in terms of what information you choose to feed the AI, do you believe that the AI can be uh, artistic as a result, if that makes sense? Yeah, I think so. But you know, it's, it's like you know, you can have you can, you can have artists that are good and artists that are bad, and you could produce <laughs> you can produce a art that's good using AI, and you can produce art that's bad using AI. So, hmm. you know, that's all that's all wide open. Yeah, I just, I mean, to me, like a lot of what I'm interested in, like I look at the history of landscape painting a fair bit, and I'm quite interested in how that informs our relationship to to nature. You know, there's the the history of how landscapes like gardens and things have physically evolved and we've we've interfered with the landscape to resemble paintings at, at certain points in history and you know australia is a great case of that where we've introduced you know so many different uh trees and, and types of plants into the into the landscape 
often just for aesthetic reasons, you know, um, regardless of what the damage is. And that, and that, a lot of that comes back to landscape paintings in the 17th and 18th century, you know, before Australia, just before Australia was, uh, you know, settled by Europeans. It's an opportunity then to use AI to interrogate the aesthetic tendencies in, in those paintings and, you, you know, look at it in a way that, you know, perhaps humans unassisted can't look at it. You can use these large data sets and find trends and common properties that you can't, you can't necessarily see just looking at it one painting at a time, you know, using your human eye and your, uh, and your human brain. Well, I love that because it means that I guess inherently AI is an augmentation process or an artistic process that previously it was inaccessible to humans, even though in itself it is a human invention. So yeah, I really love that explanation. I guess uh, to wrap up, let's say, how do you kind of see the augmentation and collaboration of AI with creative processes working into the future? Like I, I really see AI becoming an essential part of, of the artist toolkit. Um, and like, I guess only three years ago, I curated a show at RMIT Uni, which was a bunch of painters working in, you know, quite not traditional, but, you know, representative painters painting recognizable images from the world. But all of them, all of them use digital technology to, to develop their painting. Like they all use Photoshop to plan out their paintings. A lot of them use projectors then to get it onto the canvas. And, you know, there's a whole lot of technology that goes into producing these quite traditional works. And I think AI will just slot into that increasingly. You know, it'll just be one of the, one of the tools that, that people will use to develop their paintings. Not all artists will use it, but I just think, you know, it'll become an integral part. I could see AI being one of the compulsory units in the fine art degree, you know, within, within the next few years. Well, that's really, that's a fascinating, I, I especially like that last observation. It's a fascinating idea, really. You would hope that the teachers or educators in that situation would be able to explain AI in a way that isn't <laughs> too convoluted, I suppose, or, or that the systems themselves kind of get easy enough that average people can interface with, you know, Python and, and that without having to do a whole computer. Yeah. Science. Well, like I said, I mean, you know, there's, there's a handful of tools now that are, are really putting it into the hands of, you know, making machine learning available to people without any coding ability. And it's still, I mean, you know, it's still a little bit kludgy, to be honest. And you do need to, you do need to um, have some experience managing databases to be able to use them effectively. But it's evolving really fast, really fast. Um, and pretty soon, even fine art professors we'll be able to use an AI tool. <laughs> I'm almost sure. Very, very cool. Well, I have to thank you and congratulate you on your contribution to that area. And again, thank you for your time today. Would you like to let the audience know where they can find more of your work or catch up with what's going on next? Yeah, they can. I have a, my Instagram handle is samleach underscore zero zero. And uh, I post up uh, images of what I'm working on. And I have a show coming up in Melbourne in March and I'll be putting information about that up there and also on my website, samleach.net. Awesome. Well, all the best for your future endeavors and thank you for joining us for AI Murmuring, Sam. Thanks a lot, Tim. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to AI Agents. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcatcher and consider giving it a review. Do not forget that you can share this episode with other intelligent people and things, but for now, it is time to close the pod bay doors, Hal.